0: The Good Fight Radio Show.
1: When it comes to the end times, plenty of people have a number of questions regarding not only what events might take place coming up, not only when is the rapture, when are the seals going to be broken, when are the trumpets going to sound, and what this will all look like, but there are some questions that deal specifically to the practical day-to-day life of men and women, and in this case specifically husbands and wives, and the decision to whether or not have children. And on this live episode, we're so excited to be able to answer some questions, one that came in from a viewer and one that we've had specifically over and over again sent to us. I'm so excited to be sitting down with president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California. Pastor Joe Schimmel to discuss this very, very important topic with you.
0: Yeah, and it is vitally important if you're considering having children. And it relates to all those who do have children. And if you don't have children, it's still very uh, something you should be informed about. So you can encourage those who may be confused on the issue or seeking the Lord's guidance, you know?
1: Yeah, and you know, it, it's so awesome to have so many of you with us today on the live stream. I see you guys coming in already. So make sure that you come and say hello on the live stream, if you guys are somewhere, it doesn't matter if you're in California, even where we are, or if you're somewhere in Texas, We, I know we got some brothers over there, we're New York or in some other state, make sure you come on, say hi, or even some other country. I already see somebody I know that is from the UK that are not from here in the States. So we're excited to have you on with us because as Joe mentioned, as myself, this is an important topic. It is something to consider as a believer. And I gotta be honest, we posted this, Joe, I don't know, just a few hours ago, hey, we're gonna be dealing with this subject. And you would be surprised how many different opinions that people had when we simply said, we're gonna be answering this question. And a number of people have a difference of opinion. And I I guess I could start with this. I know that even my my great grandma who passed away, I got to do her funeral. She loved Jesus, absolutely loved Jesus. I mean, for many years she was waiting for the rapture and she was wondering, oh man, why would anyone bring children into this world for so Mm -hmm. long? But that was for 40 years she was waiting for that. And I probably wouldn't have been one of those people that was even born if her wish was, why would anyone have children in the wickedness that we are in today? And so I think maybe we could kind of start from that and piggyback off that. That's a great question. Uh, It's not a
0: definitive answer, but it's something to think about because how many potentially millions of children were not born? How many maybe millions of parents did not have children? or stopped having children after one child, perhaps, uh, because of the same reasoning. I know that uh, that kind of viewpoint could have made me childless, uh, and it could have made you without your wife, who is one of my children, and us both without those grandchildren. Uh, when I was newly saved, I was the only believer I knew at first, as I say sometimes, and I was witnessing. I remember witnessing to my cousin, Phil, uh, awesome guy. And I partied with him, when he'd come out all the way from Pennsylvania, and great guy. Uh, we is years older than me, you know, big white van, and bring his girlfriend out, and and uh, we'd party and stuff. And then I became a Christian. And then he came out, and he still looked like the guy with the zigzag papers, you know, back then. And I loved that guy, and I witnessed to him, I shared with him. I shared stuff about end times, I showed him what was going on in the music scene and stuff. I just was putting that together right away, pretty much after I became a believer, and he saw the truth. Now, he wasn't converted yet. He got converted a little bit later after that. But in seeing what was coming down the pike and looking at the scriptures about the end times, uh, I didn't realize how studious he was, man. He went to the library, came back, and he had like three or four books that talked about how to build, you know, cabins hidden in the wilderness. You know, like go through a canyon, and in the canyon wall, you dig into it, you build a little, little cabin in the, in the wall of the canyon they fly over you, hard to see and what have you. And he's like, what do you think about doing this and that? You know, and I thought, wow, he wants to, you know, basically, you know, let's get out of here before this all goes down, you know? And I was a newer believer and he was not fully, not fully converted. He was definitely open at that point, obviously. And <laughs> strange enough, uh, you know, I thought, wow, you know what, my whole family's not saved. I'm one of seven counting the parents and the children that saved and all my friends, and I know God's, I can't just abandon this world. I said, hey, man, I know I'm not called to do that right now. I don't know when the end's coming, but I know what the scriptures say. I knew where, know where it's going. But I said, I, I have an obligation. I feel, man, I've got to be a light, you know, uh, to the world. And so I declined. But could you imagine if I would have said, hey, yeah, let's go live in the boonies, man. I'd be 58 years old, you know, uh, you know, picking some meat of a rabbit or something out of my teeth if I had any still without the dental care, right? Uh, and I wouldn't have any children. And hence what I said earlier, you know? So, uh, and I can kind of play with that in my mind, like, whoa, that would have been crazy. But my heart actually breaks for many, many, many people who decide not to have children years and years ago. And now are like, wow, they they could have had children, perhaps, and they didn't. So uh, we want to make sure, so I'm gonna just from the get-go, I'm just gonna say, hey, I want to be very, very cautious Not to ever tell somebody, definitely don't have children, because then it would be, it would break my heart that my counsel could have led them to be childless when perhaps the Lord wants them to have children. That doesn't mean that He's directing everybody to have children. That doesn't mean there's not a time uh, when things are really horrific in a certain situation that He may lead people that way. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying we have to be very, very careful when we give people spiritual guidance. And we have to have chapter and verse, and it has to apply to the specific situation. Uh, before we, uh, you know, lay lay down the gauntlet on a specific personal decision.
1: Yeah, you know, it is so interesting because you you bring that up about hey, you know, <laughs> let's go off in the boonies, let's get out of this situation. And I mean, how many people do we know that have even fled the country and so forth? Mm-hmm. And how many years of ministry have been just nothing done for so many years and so many fruitful years just rotten? I mean, not not used for the for the Lord's glory. Because they were so concerned about that sort of situation. Yeah, if
0: you're, if you leave the country and you're in, you know you feel led of the Lord and you want to be involved in mission somewhere else, praise God. Yeah. but if you leave the country and find an island to where you can just live out your years kind of on this perpetual vacation, the Lord comes, I think that's selfish. I think the, you know I know the Lord wants to go into all the world, and it's better to give than to receive. It's not about what we get in this world, it's about what we do for the Lord.
1: Yeah, and I think that that brings up a great point, because we think about Hebrews 10.25, right? We always tell people, you've got to be in fellowship, yeah. you got to be in fellowship. And you. I find it really interesting when you look at that text, when you look at Hebrews 10.25. says? Well, Hebrews 10.25, I want to get to the verses right before that, oh, okay. because it's talking specifically about encouraging one another mm-hmm. to love and to good deeds, that we're supposed to right. do that for our brethren. And then it tells us specifically when it comes to our fellowshipping one with another, our sunagoge, or Episunagoge. that when we come together, and when we gather, that we shouldn't neglect it. As, as some people, even at that time, yeah. we're neglecting it. And in doing so, guess what? He says, when you see the day drawing near all the more, come together yeah. all the more. Yeah. Not Amen. find a remote place, you know, when you yeah. don't see the signs. I and mean, we yeah, got to talk about word, the signs. Bro. Yeah. That's we, huge. I think we need to talk a little bit about those signs, because I think there can be a, an issue with some people that You know, I I was listening to Dr. Ed Henson, and I think I'm saying that wrong, but um, he is a very popular um, pre-trib teacher, and they were asking him, are there any other signs that need to take place before the rapture happens? And I'm watching that, and he says, no. I mean, more could happen, but no, there are no more signs that need to take place and we've done so many shows on this because people are concerned over and over: is this the mark of the beast, or is this the is is this seal broken, or is that seal broken? And it's like you read the book of Revelation, and a lot of stuff still needs to take place before we get to the end time. So maybe I, you know, I don't want to. I, I know that's a lot to throw on on the short episode that we're working on on this, and but it's really important for people to realize we do need to be as the sons of Issachar and and recognize the times, times that we're in. Let's not be ignorant. But let's also, as we see the day drawing near, not figure out, because there is a time, right? The book of Revelation talks about this, right, specifically, where those who are to go into captivity will go into captivity. Those who are to be killed are to be killed. There is a time where that will actually take place. Mm -hmm. There is a time that that Scripture specifically speaks about that. Woe unto the woman who is nursing at that time, right? Right, and I know we're going to address that toward the end of the show. And and, and we need to address that towards the end of the show. But I also wanted to point out, because we're talking about from the believer's perspective, This is strictly from a believer's perspective, but an article actually came out this week and I I was going to send it to you and I totally forgot before we even started the show, but I wanted to read just a a portion of what was actually shared by New York Magazine regarding an article written on thecut.com. This is from a secular perspective. These are not believers and the article is actually called Giving Birth in the End Times which I found very interesting. But here is a quote from the article. And this is the quote that was used to advertise it by New York York Magazine. It says, The decision to have children has always struck me as an essentially selfish one. You choose out of of a desire for fulfillment or self-betterment or curiosity or boredom or baby mania or peer pressure to bring a new human into this world. And it has never seemed more selfish than today. This is the world... Telling you yourself Does that gal or
0: guy who wrote that article go and rebuke their parents for birthing them? Are they like, wow, that's I, I, life's terrible, why'd you bring me into the world? Uh, it can be so subjective to actually give a carte blanche kind of, just to give a general answer like that is, I'm sorry, it's a little irritating. It's very thing I said we've got to be very cautious of doing because, uh, and if obviously that person doesn't know the Lord, you know, which is kind of a strange title, you know, giving birth the end times, because we would know... Uh, Biblically, it's, we go to the Bible, what's God's Word say? Now, people that know the Lord can have different answers best on, based on their understandings of the Scripture. But I don't know. I haven't read the article if that person's even trying to appeal the Scripture. But you just say to have children is, you know, a horrible idea. Uh, you know what? The Bible says it'll be like the days of Noah in the end times, right? That's what Jesus said. And he said that in Luke chapter 17 and Matthew 24 and what have you. And it was horrific in the days of Noah. I mean, there was a huge population explosion. The the earth was filled with violence, it tells us in Genesis chapter 6. Their thoughts were only evil continually. It was really, really wicked. And yet Noah could have said, man, after the fall, look how horrible it is. I'm not going to have any children at all, period. It's no, no deal. Well, uh, guess what? Noah would have maybe made the ark still, unless he was in rebellion to God, which I believe he would have been at that point, him specifically, because God's plan was for him to have children. But guess what? He had children, even though there were horrible times that mirrored the end times and his children got in the ark with him, right? And one didn't turn out so good, right, Ham? Yeah. But, uh, you know, Shem and Japheth, and it was through Noah and through his line that the earth was repopulated and that the Messiah would come, the savior of the world. So he could have made a decision based on, you know what, it's really horrible. People's thoughts are only evil continually. Uh, you've got this situation with the sons of God having relations with the daughters of men, you know, and violence filling the earth, and wow, no way I'm having kids and bringing them into this world then we'd be in quite a bind. In fact, you know what, we wouldn't even exist. Of course, God would find somebody else that decided to have children and was righteous uh, if that would be the case and God could rise a person up from a stone, right? So uh, so we have to be very, very careful uh, in speaking in generalities. Of course, uh, it's kind of interesting, uh, Satan hates life. You know, That's why he promotes over 60 million people, babies being killed in this nation. And we have to be careful with that as well. Uh, even after the flood, Wow, man, the flood took place. Okay, guess what? They're still burying the image of Adam, you know, as far as fallen creatures, and now the world's being repopulated. And it's like, wow, the world's going to be full of murder again. Maybe we should just stop this uh, population program and decrease population. Nope, that's not what it says. In Genesis 9, 6 and 7, it says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image, talking about the very thing we just mentioned, right? And you, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. That's Genesis chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. So even after the flood, and even the context of, guess what? There's going to be murder and there needs to be a reprisal to that. There needs to be consequences to that. The death penalty, he says, uh, and that's before the Mo- law of Moses was given. Uh, he's saying, still be fruitful and multiply. And I'm only saying that, guess what? It's not, uh, we have to recognize that the scriptures tell us that Children are a blessing from the Lord and we're supposed to shine their light and the wicked are having children. What does the world need in the end times most? More light. And they're not going to get it if all the believers say, oh, let's just stop having babies. Now I'm not saying, and please keep in mind, I'm not saying, you know, you have to have children if you're a Christian. I'm, but what I am saying is God is counting on believers to have children up to a certain point, right? Uh, and we're not in the great tribulation yet. Of course we can surmise, and we'll get to that passage. What are those who give suck or nurse babies in those days, which is dealing with the tribulation period. And obviously, before the tribulation period takes place, you could end up getting pregnant and your children, uh, you know, and so forth. But we'll, we'll talk about that more at the end. But I want to look at a couple of scriptures that have to do with the blessing uh, that children are. And go ahead, Chad.
1: No, yeah, I think we have to lay the groundwork down for that because we want to make sure that our viewpoints are far different from the world. And yep, amen. you mentioned this already. And I already got some great scriptures to go to. I'll start with one that's a blessing to me.
0: Chapter 17 of Proverbs says, "Grandchildren are the crown of old men." I'm not super old yet. Can still outrun some of you young guys. But I'm getting there, man. And the glory of the sons is their fathers, and that we're both dads, you know. And that's beautiful to me. And look at chapter 31. I love this one too. Uh, Chapter 31, verse 28. The very last chapter of Proverbs uh, says this, and I think it's just a great passage, the the, the Proverbs 31 woman, it says, uh, her children rise up and bless her, children are a blessing, her husband also, and he praises her, okay, say many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all, so I think that's amazing, and and I've got another scripture I typed out here, uh, Psalm 27, 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, Psalm 127, 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a, uh, a reward from him. And then verses four and five, like arrows in the hand of a warrior and children of one's youth. Now we're talking about the end times. Now we're talking about children being spiritual war- warriors. And that would apply to the end times as well. Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now the context there is, of course, is bringing up children for the Lord because chapter 127 verse one says, you know, unless the Lord, or except the Lord, build the house, labors labor in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchmen watch in vain. So the Lord's got to build on the rock. We got to build according to His spiritual blueprint and build children for the Lord. So I see personally, man, if I didn't have my children, my, I, I'm I am so glad. Ask my children here. You glad your your mom and dad had you, even though you might go through the tribulation period. I can tell you to each and every one of them say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, if I say, well, you know. Uh, You know, what would you do? Well, they wouldn't exist if we didn't have them, but I look at them as arrows that have been shot into the world that can affect righteousness in the world, and they're all three doing that in their own way as they're seeking the Lord, you know?
1: Yeah, and I love that you went to Psalm 127. I think everyone that has children, I think they've probably read that text if they love the Lord, and I know for me personally, when I was, when I asked my wife, Holly, if she wanted to court, I didn't think I could have children, and one of the things when we when we got married, bef- we already agreed, hey, we'll adopt, you know, if, if we can't have children and so forth. And when we were married, we would read uh, one psalm before we would eat. So when we got to Psalm 119, we just fasted for a while before eating. But uh, but no, we would read a psalm before we eat every time. I don't think Joe got it, Tony. You're laughing <laughs> in the background. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, but in Psalm 127, she said, "Can we read a different one?" Um, when we were first married, you know, uh, eight weeks in or maybe five weeks into our marriage. And I said, yeah, we can move around. You know, we were in Psalm mm-hmm. you know, 30 or something. Huh. And, uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, we can move around. And she went to Psalm 127. And then when I was done reading the psalm, she handed me the uh, pregnancy test oh, that, wow. um, yeah. you know, that we were having our first little boy. So that psalm has always been written on my heart. So whenever I hear people denigrate children, and I expect it from the world, uh, I expect it from the world. I remember sharing the gospel over and over again with this guy at the gym and his view was very nihilistic he was just very um, it was very it was sad it was a sad situation his wife had cheated on him I try to express you know there's a reason why it hurts so bad it's because you've been committing spiritual adultery against God as well you've gone after other people and gone after other gods when he's the one true God and you know better and you know when he found out I had four kids he thought it was it was like this grievous sin that we would bring someone in and those children can't be loved you know, because you just can't give enough love out to them. Uh, and that was his worldly viewpoint, where the Bible describes something very different. And that is exactly what you just read in Psalm 127 yeah. that there are more arrows for the love.
0: Uh, absolutely. And, and that's it. That's, those are warfare image, images, you know. And some, you know, in the emergent church is like, you know, the book, you know, Blue Lake Jazz is like, you know, he, I don't like, he says, the warfare motif. I like the love motif, you know. It's like, you know what? We emphasize so much the love motif in scripture the bride and the bridegroom from Genesis to Revelation. But if you really have true love, you're a warrior too, man. You fight the good fight. You stand up for the faith and and you proclaim the name of Jesus because there is a spiritual war afoot when you really know what the scriptures say, right? And we also have to keep in mind, we do have a responsibility, you know? So it's not just willy-nilly, oh, I'm going to have a bunch of kids. And, you know, how many men are, you know, deadbeat dads? You know, how many mothers at times, times as well, they're spending all their time on social media and what have you, neglecting their kids. We need to realize 1 Timothy 5.8 does say, you know, that if one does not provide for their own relatives, and especially it says their own household, they're worse, it actually says they deny the faith and they're worse than the non-believers, no or worse than Amen. the infidels, depending on your translation. So as Christians, we have this incredible responsibility to bring our children up to the Lord. And uh, so if you're gonna have children, make sure in your heart that you count the cost because you'll stand before the Lord and give an account.
1: No, I think that is such a great point. And you know, children definitely are fruit testers for us a lot of times, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, do you have patience? You know, do you have kindness? You know, do you have long-suffering? Yeah. <laughs> if you get don't, you're do you going you to either
0: get it, it or you're going to be backslidden.
1: <laughs> That's right. And uh, it, it is it is absolutely amazing. And you get to see so much of, I believe, the Lord's heart too. And it's interesting. You brought up the text from First Timothy. I was thinking also in 2 Thessalonians for so many people at that time, you think of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and you think about 1 Thessalonians alongside with it. And I, I'll give my, my quickest summary possible, but in First Thessalonians, you have this situation where they're concerned about people dying and not being able to be with the Lord, right? And First Thessalonians 4 says, no, don't worry, those people are also going to be gathered together to us as well at the rapture, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so then we don't right. really get a timestamp there, by the way, in 1 uh, Thessalonians 4, but we do get a timestamp in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2, when you put those two together, one is the fact that when is their relief going to come? Because they're being tortured. Yep. They're going through persecution. He says, when will it come? When he comes to deal out retribution with his saints. So his he's angels in Flaming fire. In flaming right? fire. On that day, he says. On that day. Same <laughs> day. <laughs> and he comes and then we get the timestamp of, okay, when, well, when this is going to take place. First, the falling away and the Antichrist is revealed. And then you have these... Com- chapter two. Yep. Chapter two. commentation. Read the text. <laughs> that too. And then you get to chapter three. And you have him telling them, hey, this is what's going on. You guys need to be watching your life. That's right. And one of the things not that was being ta- not being an unruly, right? Living yeah. an unruly life because, oh, we're just waiting for this to take place. And one of those things is, as you you mentioned this about your own family, but the same people there that seemed like they were like, well, we'll just take, take, take and not give, give, give. And he's like, the person who is not willing to work, that person cannot eat. And it's almost like yeah. they were in a, you know, you could surmise there from the text that they were sitting back like, well, why am I going to put all this effort in? We're going to be raptured anyways. You know, it's all going to come back anyways. And he's like, no, no, no. If they're not willing to work, if they're not willing to work, they can't eat. And I, and I think that's such a huge thing for us to understand because people can do that. And I had a friend who completely fell away from the Lord and he put so much money on credit cards because he was so convinced that the Lord was coming back. He said, well, I'm not going to work it off, the Lord's going to come back. And that, by the way, is stealing, it's thievery, it's lying. And it's exactly what I think, you know, God mentioned specifically in his word against.
0: Right. And we have to be aware that, well, there could be a lot of trials because the end can come. I mean, there's a lot of things happening right now. A lot of crazy things. I just got off the phone with a brother uh, that lives in Tennessee, and we were talking about the end, and he has a ministry similar to ours in the sense that he does exposés and does a great job in what he does and so forth. And we're talking about how crazy it's getting, but at the same time, you know, we're born into trouble. We are in a fallen world. So you know, even if you live in times where there, you know, where there seems to be a semblance of peace, uh, there's still gonna be trouble. The Bible says man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward in the book of Job. At mm. Acts fourteen, twenty-two, uh the Paul and Silas are ministering to the churches and they're they're saying this through many tribulations, uh, you know, that he's they're encouraging them to continue in the faith. You know, because it's through many tribulations that we must enter into the kingdom of the Lord. And that's part of the trials that we're born into. And so we know, and it, this is really, really sad. We do know that, uh, you know, the scriptures say in, in, in uh, that mentions Judas. Jesus talked about Judas and how it was better that he didn't be born. I mean, there's a possibility that you have a child, like it was better that they weren't born. Or as the scriptures say in Proverbs 30, 11, there are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. So the Lord knows that this is all going on and this is part of it. But we have to keep in mind, and this is very, very important, and I want to encourage you, if you have children that that end up rebelling against the Lord and don't turn to Him or fall away from Him, uh, that that's got to be one of the most painful things in the world. You know, I'm a dad and I'm also a grandchild. I'm a grandchild. Yeah, I have a grandchild. Mm-hmm. You are too, yeah. My parents are dead, but, but I also <laughs> have grandchildren. And uh, man, we've been doing a lot of work today. But saying that, you know, it's important for us to keep in mind that... Uh, we have all, we're have all in a situation where we can experience, if you're a parent, that kind of pain, that kind of anguish. If you're not a parent, and you bring people to Christ. Like Paul, he called Timothy. Paul didn't have any physical children that we know of. John. And he called him his child in the faith. And he talked about others being his children in the faith. And John says in First John, I have no greater joy than this to see my children walk in the truth. So there's that joy that you experience in seeing people come to Christ, especially if you've been involved in witnessing to them in some way. And if they fall away or people that don't come who you love, there's a lot of pain. As a parent, you enter into the pain of the Lord because he constantly sees from the first two children that rebelled, his, Adam and Eve. Can you imagine the pain that he underwent? Keep in mind, we're made in his image. So the degree of joy that we experience and the degree of pain is nothing compared to his. The Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ that he experienced joy in the book of Hebrews beyond that which of his companions because God has a greater capacity. And the scriptures say when humanity was in rebellion to him, early on in Genesis that his spirit was grieved that he had made them. Now, he could have chosen not to, but he still made them, even though he'd go through an incredibly strong, powerful grieving experience, because he knew the ultimate outcome would be better in in, in the end, that he'll make all things beautiful in his time. So that's what I keep in mind. It's like when you bring up children and they rebel, as heartbreaking as that is, man, that should get your prayer life going, right? But as heartbreaking as that is, you're entering into the suffering of the Lord because he experiences on a far greater that pain and a far greater cosmic level. And he's creating us this, this image so we can understand not only the bride and the bridegroom concept to a degree, but so we could also understand what how he feels about us. We have that that's those scriptures that talk about as a as as a mother, you know, dotes on her, her child or and so forth, or you know, bobbles the child on her knee. You know, so he, he talks about as a father, you know, being evil gives good gifts. How much more, Jesus says, the Father in heaven. So he draws these parallels, you know, which are quite amazing. But it's interesting because look at, listen to what it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter one. And we need chapter one, beginning at verse two. Listen to what it says. It says, listen, O heavens and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared, that's sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. This Lord is saying, I'm calling heaven to witness. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. Uh, My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. These are his sons that became corrupt. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Now that's, that's heavy. That's God aching. Uh, and we many many Christian parents have experienced what David did to a degree with regard to Absalom, total rebellion,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Remember him, Absalom, Absalom, mm-hmm. oh Absalom, Absalom. You know, would that it had been me instead of you. And to me, that's echoed later, and that's a picture as a son of David, as, as uh, David and Jesus as the son of David, and him saying, "I wish I could have died in your place." The son of David will die in all of our place, and he says, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem." How often I would have gathered together a hen desert chicks, but you were unwilling. Then he goes to the cross to, to bring salvation, the provision of salvation to Israel and the nation. So you see God's heart lamenting over his lost children and it breaks. So I want to encourage parents out there, if you you're, you have children and, and, and millions of professing Christian parents do, uh, I know we, we read the scripture, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's older, he will not depart. Uh, and actually there's a totally We've looked at how that could be understood actually in another way as well. Uh, but there's most exegetes will agree that the Proverbs give these general uh, general rules of thumb often, and there are sometimes exceptions, you know, the Bible says the ring of the nose brings forth blood. Well, some people can get their nose wrong and it may not bring forth blood, but typically it will, right? So uh, it's important to understand, it talks about how somebody who holds his hands is reduced to poverty. That's true, but also there's people that have this huge inheritance. And they're maybe they don't have they have plenty of bread and stuff, but there's a different kind yeah, of yeah, soft
1: answer turns away wrath. But sometimes people sometimes people <laughs> are just belligerent, so. demon possessed, right? Yeah, right, that's right. the principle of the matter. But, yeah.
0: but but that's my point is that you trade up a child in the way to go, and he's later that part. God brought up Israel in the way they should go, he brought up Adam and Eve the way they should go. So sometimes there's an exception where someone goes astray, and the Lord wants you to know that you need to find your refuge and your joy and your peace in Him and realize He's hurting more over your child going astray than you are, because he says in Ezekiel chapter 18, 4, you know, everyone belongs to me. The sons, the fathers, and their sons belong to me. So first and foremost, they belong to the Lord God, and we are we are stewards of them, and that's a beautiful uh, gifting he's given us, but we need to recognize that we have one to lean on who hurts even more than we do when they go astray.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've been, I love the book of Isaiah, you know, and you think about that text you just went through in, in, in chapter 1, because... He's pointing out the fact that you know the trees the heavens and the earth like when he tells them to do it they do it yeah like the donkey right and the ox yeah. and the ox right they do what they're told and not even you israel are doing what you're told because he has ultimately given them the choice on whether or not what to do not because they were predetermined
0: like calvinists <laughs> say no because they chose
1: now it's interesting because the early church would pull from that kind of yeah. thinking and that process right justin martyr and both arenaeus i remember distinctly both of them pointing the fact that we aren't as a tree that can't go to the, to yep, the left or the yeah. right, you know, uh, but we make our decisions. But this is a perfect time to segue back to this question because we actually got a someone who wrote into us, and I saw this, and I think she had some great questions, and I, I said, you know what, let's read this. I'd love to do this alongside of you, Pastor Joe, and give her some... Pastoral Care here, because she's having some questions regarding having children. And she said this, and we're we're keeping this one anonymous. I told her that we would, but we'd answer the question. She said, hi, thanks for such a great ministry. I have a question that I'm really battling with badly. I grew up in a very traditional Christian home, but only came to faith two years ago, as the church I grew up in was Dutch Reformed and never explained how to place your faith in Christ or what it was to be born again. Now, I don't want to get you segwayed, but... (laughs) Because of determinism, you've, of course. And, but, but you've yeah. been to yeah. Holland. You know the Number situation times, there. Right? Uh, she said, I kind of assumed I was a Christian due to going to church. <laughs> it's so funny how it turns back to work, works-based from the uh, Reformation. But anyways, I have been married for six years. My husband and I, while we were unsaved, decided to not have kids. Today I am saved, praise God, and 34. So still young enough to have a family. I've spoken to my husband about it, and he seems very scared and confused about the idea due to all that is currently happening in the world. I am currently on birth control and I feel too scared to stop using my pill until my husband has come to peace with the decision as I don't want to harm our marriage. Now my question I am battling with is this, is it a sin to be on the birth control pill? Will I go to hell for this for not having children? I am so confused and my husband only tells me he doesn't know what to do, which isn't comforting for me at all. Please help. I know I am not the only Christian woman battling with this question and reading Genesis 38 just scares me all the more.
0: Yeah, Genesis 38 is when Dinah was gang raped by another nation and the children, yeah, Jacob went to war uh, against them and so forth and she must be thinking of that situation and thinking, what if my child ends up in the end times going through something of that nature, you know, which is, you know, uh, remote, remote possibility, very, very unlikely, but that's like the worst case scenario a parent uh, can think of, you know? Uh, but I can't say something like that wouldn't happen, but very, very, very unlikely. Uh, however, that's her consideration as a possibility. And those things are possible, especially as things uh, get darker. And uh, when you think of that passage, you know, woe to those who give suck in those days or the nurse in those days that Jesus gave, Matthew chapter 24 there's the appeal to that that people have uh, regarding the end times and how things are going to get worse but Jesus said woe to those who nurse babies in those days he didn't say no to those who nurse babies days like don't 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 have a baby he's just saying it's gonna be really really rough he also said pray that it doesn't take place on the Sabbath day and pray that and by the way if it happens on the Sabbath day right now and you're in Judea uh, guess what man and you're on a in a in a tall building you're in big trouble with the elevators because on the Sabbath they, they shut them down except for special elevators that you have to stop at every floor, you know? Really, really crazy. Uh, but also uh, in those days too, and Jesus said no one knows the day of the hour at the time, right? They closed the city gates and you couldn't travel. And in certain areas right now on the Sabbath, you go through Orthodox neighborhoods and you're living near them, they'll bash your car in with rocks if you travel on the Sabbath. So that doesn't mean you don't travel though. That doesn't mean that you don't travel if it happens at that time. just like it doesn't mean you don't necessarily have children now I'm not saying though that doesn't mean that God might speak to certain people to have children and some not to what I would say in this case because I do not want to say this is the only right way you could do it that's it you know Uh, first of all keep in mind that those who are in Judea he's talking about those who specifically are in Judea and he specifically uh, addresses that piece of geography And if you're not in Judea, uh, you know, you live in some other part of the world. We also know, and I've I've done some teaching in the past, during the tribulation period, there'll be people in different situations. Those in Judea, by the way, uh, are to pray that, you know, that, that things go easier. So, and that they're not gonna do it on the, it's not gonna happen on the Sabbath day, and that it's not gonna happen in winter, so there's not snow and so forth. They're called to pray about that, you know? So I believe that's also what we should be doing regarding children, is, and I would encourage our sister and praise God, you know, sounds like a really thoughtful sister who really wants to please the Lord and praise God, sister, that you came to Jesus and have come to know him personally. It's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that because you you came out of a tradition where you didn't know you need to be born again and praise the Lord. He loves you. He revealed himself uh, to you. But I want to encourage you to really pray about it because it's in the context of the tribulation period that Jesus says that for those who are in Judea. But even if you live in Judea or you don't live in Judea, I really believe it's something to pray about and cry out to the Lord because I don't believe that's always a one-size-fits-all, these type of passages. Uh, this passage specifically re- re- relates to those in Judea. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're going to be in trouble on the Sabbath day, if the tribulation Sabbath day here in the United States of America. Probably not. But with regard to children, we can extrapolate and say, yeah, you know, during the tribulation period, it's going to be pretty gnarly. So there's going to be trouble everywhere to one degree or another. So you just got to be a little reasonable. and Then you pray about it and say, and this is what I would encourage you to do, sister, I would encourage you to pray and cry out to the Lord and consider fasting. Maybe you already have it. Continue to do it until you have an answer. When you read chapter 58, it talks about, I mean, the Lord brings revelation through prayer. If you lack wisdom, you're going through a trial. This is definitely a trial, whether you have children or not. Uh, pray and the Lord will give you wisdom, James chapter one. I mean, go to James four and he says, Don't just move somewhere and say, I'm going to start a business here, but pray and save us the Lord's will. So, how much more should we be praying about whether we're going to have children or not? So, I believe that's a huge key. Because I would never tell somebody, you better not have a child, or or you better have as many children as you can. And then when you pray about it, keep in mind when we go through the scripture over and over again, we see the Lord opens and closes wombs. Yeah. So if you and your husband are earnestly praying about it, saying, Lord, if it be Your will, uh, you know, let us have children, and if it's not, show us not to be together. Or and then if you're not getting to an answer and you're together, say, Lord, close my womb if it's not Your will, uh, for us to have children. Also, with regard to birth control, I would really look into that because there's other forms of birth control that you can practice. Uh, you know, some are concerned that uh, with regard to, I'm talking about this regarding the pill. Uh, yeah. You know, some studies in the past had shown that you can actually, you know, ovulate and the sperm and the ovum can meet and all of a sudden you have a new baby in in the very first stages that can actually be killed through the pill, you know? Uh, but when you said, am I gonna go to hell if I don't have children? Uh, I don't know that there's any scripture that says you're going to go to hell if you don't have children. I would say this. My heart would break for you if the end doesn't happen for so many years and you said I think you're 34 or so and before you know it you're 54 because believe me it goes quick. I was 34 (laughs) just a year ago it seems like man now I'm 58 and someone told you I don't have children. Dan's going to be right now. I mean the Antichrist is coming. Right now, guess what? When. He says that those who know Judea, when they see the abomination of desolations, set in the holy place. The temple's not even built yet. That's the holy place there. We've proven that with another message we did. So the temple's ought to be rebuilt. So to jump on it and say, oh man, the end could be tomorrow. The temple may not be built for years, so the Antichrist can't even sit in the temple. Well, it could happen in, who knows, a few years or sooner. I don't know, we don't know. But I hate for you, sister, to be heartbroken that you didn't have children and didn't have a family. Uh, So many, I'm telling you right now, sister, there are so many millions of people that wish they were in the situation who are having a hard time having children. I have known, known them through the years. I've prayed for them and and, and seen you know people adopt and then also have a baby. You know, seen kinds of interesting things the Lord has done. You know, so I encourage you to really pray about it because it may be. I mean, I can't tell you how much joy, incredible, I it's off the charts joy I have in having children and now grandchildren as well. I mean, it's like I, I cheer up a lot over it and I'm so thankful. And I hate for you to miss that experience. If it's not the Lord's will that you don't, uh, if, if it's not the Lord's will for you not to have children, I mean, if it's the Lord's will for you not to have children, great. But really seek the Lord on it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting because you know, uh, just from reading this, that's that's where I'm taking it from. That before you were saved, there were these certain reasons, and I'm guessing before you're saved, I'm not putting that on you, but if you were not saved. I'm guessing those reasons were probably more of the selfish nature, I would guess. If she had that reasoning. If if those reasoning would come from a a non-believing standpoint, but now you're having a believing standpoint, but also looking at a situation where you're like, hey, but there are some terrible things going on. You got this vaccine out there that certainly seems like we've done an episode and I I put it in the link. Um, We do not believe the the vaccine is the mark of the beast, but we certainly believe, uh, certainly believe that it, it, I mean, it gets worse and worse every day, it definitely looks like a precursor or something yeah. that, that is pushing something Headed that way, man. Uh, heading that way without a doubt. So we want to make sure we're recognizing these things and not just turning on blind eye. Well, it's not the mark of the beast, so I don't pay attention at all. And we're like, dude, we're we're looking at look, look at our friends in Australia. What's going on over there? And look at what's going on here in our own country. It is basically the, the, you know, the government and I think by way of Satan, because he works through the sons of disobedience and we're wrestling not against flesh and blood has turned the you know, basically the lepers—you know, the ones who are not choosing to get vaccinated, even if they've already been inoculated, like you and I, where we've both had COVID, and now they're like, still, you are this wicked, horrible person for not wanting to get in, it. And so in forth.
0: Canada, right now, in con- <laughs> conjunction with uh, FEMA, they're building, or have been building, quarantine buildings. Ooh, where's that going? You know?
1: Yeah, and the basketball players—they said that they play in Toronto that they, will, if they leave their, if they're unvaccinated and leave their hotel, they could be re- arrested for up to six months. Uh, yeah, it's amazing.
0: Australia, the lockdown's going on there. Yeah. And they're talking, one of their, their health leaders talked about how COVID's helping bring about the new world order. The words of the health minister there in Australia. It's this crazy
1: stuff going on right now. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense with the Great Reset and everything. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we, we bring this up. And, and whenever we can talk about, and, I, and I, I don't think ministries should be scared about talking about the end times because there are people that predicted wrong things. And because there are false teachers out there, we still need to speak to these things in a biblical and, and a biblical fashion that actually brings out the text properly in its context and isn't just throwing things out though, you know, oh, well, I believe it's going to be this date or I believe it's going to be this date. And we can't let where Satan has used false prophets and hinder us from speaking truth to the, from the word of God to express, Hey, these are the things that are going to happen. And I think this this leads us really good into, we talked about the verses, and you mentioned specifically about when it comes to the end times, and hey, look, it says, woe unto that woman who is nursing. So maybe a woman says, I don't want to be the person that's like, whoa, this is a tough time. I have a baby, and next thing I know, it's the tribulation, and I'm running around with this baby, having to hide it and keep it quiet. Just in North Korea, some of the stories hearing of them suffocating their babies, trying to keep them quiet. I mean, this is a realization, this is an understanding that we have to actually look at but maybe also, and, and like I said, we're, you know, we're, we're on the Western side right now in terms of where we are in, in our actual geographical location. And if somebody was in North Korea or something where they're literally having, I know that's happened when they were leaving and trying to hide babies mm-hmm. and literally suffocating them because they were yeah. trying to keep them quiet. Those but kind of situations are different again, than rare. Yeah.
0: So what about the other mothers say, ah, oh, she suffocated her baby, I'm never going to have children. Yeah. You know, so we got to look at it from both sides and say, Lord, what is your will concerning me? That's where prayer comes in, fasting, because Jesus said, as soon as the gospel went forth, Matthew chapter 10, he tells them to go into all the world, right? In Matthew 28, but in Matthew 10, he also sends them, and he says, a man's, you know, I didn't came to bring peace in the world, but a sword, I'm not the sword of his word. A man's foe shall be they of his own household, mother against daughter, mother law against daughter-in-law. then in Luke chapter 12, verse 52, he said, there'll be five that are divided in the family, three against two and two against three. And it's like, he didn't say, therefore, you know, apostles, you know, tell everybody don't have children. No, he knew this was coming, but, and he knew that there'd be, you know, kids in a family and the whole family is divided over the gospel, but he wants to see the gospel go out. He wants to see people be saved. Satan, you know, guess what? Muslims are having babies like rabbits, man. And, and Satan loves to inspire that. And he wants to, One of the ways that Europe is the plan from a lot of Muslims Spanish point to take over Europe, which is just, just, you know, send Muslims there and have a bunch of children. And you know what? I look at that, okay. That's a that's a harvest field. Let's go witness to them. But Satan doesn't want Christians to have children because he I'm speaking more generally now, not saying specifically, because it's between a person and and, and the Lord, because he may have you on a mission field. I mean, sometimes people go on a mission field with a husband and wife, because guess what? They're going to be involved in missions. And they're going to spend five, six, seven, eight years somewhere, and they feel led of the Lord not to get not to be together and have children while they're on the mission field. That makes sense. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter seven. Paul says husband and wife can uh, talk about abstaining and so forth. And by the way, I think personally, uh, there's the rhythm method. That's way safer than the pill. It doesn't mess you up physiologically. Yeah. Uh, there's physical consequences sometimes of taking the pill as well, beyond a potential uh, abortion of you know a fertilized egg. But they're I want to encourage you to consider, you know, the rhythm method, you know, my wife and I for years did the rhythm method and we had two kids, four years apart. And then we had a third one and my wife, because she was so good at the rhythm method, said, if we're together right now, we'll have a boy. Well, it's up to the Lord, right? But we're together and that's our boy came You know, oh, so it's kind of interesting. Um, and we could have really probably done that on the pill, but then the Lord, we could have done it all wrong. The Lord could saying, I'm giving you a boy anyway, cause I'm in charge, but we, we still lock the doors in our homes, right? You know, we still have guns, some of us, like I do, for protection. But we don't do that. We don't say, oh, I'll just pray and it'll just work out. We also try to make wise choices because the Lord expects us to not just go out in the rain and say, Lord, if you don't want it to rain on me, just don't let it rain. No, He expects you, if you don't want it to rain on you, get an umbrella, you know. So we pray and we take the umbrella.
1: No, I I I, I love that because it's really interesting, too. I wanted to point this out. You know, I see some people uh, talking about they've had children and, and, and so forth. And I, I want to bring this. Kind of on, on both regards when it comes to, well, I don't know if I should have had that child because it's we're in a terrible time and space. Well, I can tell you without a doubt because the Lord does open and close the womb, as Joe already mentioned, but also because Acts chapter 17 is specific that every single person that has come into the world, it doesn't matter where they are or when they are, that person has come in for one purpose and one person o- only, and that is to seek, grow up, and find, af- find God. Right. And so right. that child that's in the world, whether you're now a believer, your husband is a non-believer or wife is a non-believer, whatever it may be, that person is in the world and they are in the world for one purpose. They may seek, grow up and find God. That's Acts, Acts, chapter, 17, Acts right. chapter 17. And it says the time they were born and
0: where they were born. God's in control of it all. So if he's opened your womb, you trust him now and, and seek the Lord on their behalf. Amen. And when things get really tough during the tribulation period, it says in Revelation 14, those who are killed because they refuse to take the mark of the beast. It says of them, blessed are those from henceforth who, you know, die in the Lord, you know. So during the tribulation period, uh, people that die and get martyred are blessed. And we have to stop thinking of it from more of a, you know, oh, am I going to have to suffer and look at it from the bigger picture? Because as Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, I don't consider the present sufferings to even be compared to the glories that will be revealed in the future. Then he says in verse 28, for God works all things together for the good. Those who love Him are called according to His purpose. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, the sufferings that we go through now, he says, are working, the light afflictions, he called them light afflictions. Now keep in mind, he was talking about the present distress in 1 Corinthians 7. So they were going through present distress uh, at that time. And Paul did say at that point to, you know, if you have the gift of singleness, be single because of the present distress. So that shows me that sometimes God will have you make a decision based on the times in which you live. That's why I'm not giving a solid, boom, this is the way it is, period. Because I look at First Corinthians 7. I look at one of those who have uh, bare babies in, in those days and so forth. I lean on, personally, I lean on, unless the Lord gives you specific guidance when you're praying, is to trust Him and be with your spouse, crying out to the Lord, and let Him open or close the womb unless He's told you, nope, I don't want you to have children. It's very, very clear. Because I would hate for anybody in our audience five, 10 years down the line, say, man, I was listening to that that message and by uh, Brother Joe and Chad and Good Fight Ministries and I've been blessed by a lot of their messages. But we decided based on that not to have children because Pastor Joe said, man, you better never have a kid right now. And now 10 years later, guess what? You know, there there's, you know, there's, looks like there's, you know, because birth pains increase in intensity since we're speaking of having children. Jesus talked about the end would be like birth pains. And, they get, and, and birth pains, they get close, stronger and stronger and closer and closer together. But there's relief in between them too. So sometimes that relief could be 10, 15, 25 years to one degree or another. Now we agree, Chad, uh, and the folks in our ministry, that things are definitely speeding up. But at the same time, I wanna be cautious not to give uh, just absolute, this is what you should do, because that's not our, uh, when I counsel people in the fellowship, I say you need to seek the Lord regarding your family and what's best. And we don't judge you either way. We embrace you and love you because the Lord could lead Frank and his wife to have 10 children. He might lead, you know, Dorothy and Elmer, you know, to go to Africa and not have children and and and, and basically adopt a bunch of kids over there. You know, who knows? It's in the Lord's hands.
1: Amen. And, you know, we we talk about this a lot because, you know, we, we've seen it also in false prophetic movements. You know, when you read the old Watchtower Society from the Jehovah's yeah. Witness, some of the things that they were talking about, well, the Lord's going to return, so we don't need to go off to school and we don't need to do all these things.
0: 1975, that's exactly what they said. (laughs) We don't need to go to university.
1: Don't need to go to the university. So what was happening was because of this false prophetic movement, and I have no idea what happened also in the 80s and stuff with some of those or the herald campings and and whatever, you know, the, the, I'm gonna get this time and date when the rapture is gonna take place. And then guess what? So why would I have a child, you know, or whatever it may be, and get this laxadaisical effort, even in evangelism, you know, because well we're going to be raptured out of here, and then they'll go through that, and hopefully you'll figure it out. But my whole goal in in this, and and I know for Joe as well, is the encouragement to one seek the Lord. Number two, recognize children for what God recognizes them as. I think that's the most important thing because if we start this from a secular point of view. Uh, and we start this from a, well, uh I I won't have enough money for them or I won't have enough this. And God says that he is the one who provides when you seek first his Amen. kingdom and his righteousness, right. all these things added unto you. And when he calls them arrows in your quiver, when he wants you to have a quiver full, then you say, oh, you know, I'm not saying that for every single person. Yeah, but in terms of having a that. child, yeah. um, you have to recognize that and say, what does the Lord see it as uh if this is what he wants in my life? Amen,
0: bro, and that's, that's good, good counsel in, in the Proverbs 31 woman, which is like the ideal woman, and it's the picture of wisdom manifest. Uh, we read this, and I, I would encourage our sister, along with every other, you know, sister listening, uh, it says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Another translation, NASB says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles, I love this, she smiles at the future. And I love that because Jesus said during the end times, there are gonna be the people of the world who are gonna freak out and the hearts will fail them for fear of things coming on the earth. However, that's not us. When we see things going on, we're not supposed to freak out. Jesus said for the believers, the disciples, he says, lift up your head when you see these things, knowing that your redemption is drawing near and that the Lord is at the door. So we're supposed to see these things and say, wow. And now she smiles at the future and it goes on to say, uh, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction uh, is on her tongue. Like the sons of Issachar, they knew what to do. Right? She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. I love this, you know, because she has her eyes on Jesus. And Hebrews chapter twelve talks about how Jesus, you know, he, you know, the the mocking that went on and so forth, that the words that were against him. It says he despised the shame. That wasn't his focus. It says that he went to the cross and it says because the joy that was set before him now she's looking to her lord and she's saying there's joy set before me and she set an example for children she smiles at the future and i would encourage my brothers and sisters we all need to smile at the future and say you know what it's going to get gnarly but you know what he promises he makes all things beautiful in his time and there's a new heaven new earth coming our lives are like vapors he said don't fear man who could kill the body but fear god destroy body and soul and hell and yes guess what hard times are coming but Read Revelation chapter twenty-one, which we're going. I hope you can join us on Sundays. Revelation twenty-one, blessed hope chapel at blessed hope chapel,
1: Uh, and it's live streamed as well with comments
0: and stuff. I'll be on there. uh, It's a church service where you get more scripture than just about any church service. You get the word, and it talks about a time coming where there's no mourning, there's no crying, there's no pain, right? Where the tabernacle of the Lord was with us, God, and we're with Him in His presence forever. So keep in mind, this world's like a vapor. Now, if you feel like I have to have children or I'm incomplete, I'm just going to have them. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying just, we're saying, seek the Lord. He loves you so much, each and every one of us. And just know this, that uh, we're encouraging you, bottom line is to pray and look at all the scriptures and bring them before the Lord and say, Lord, is this your will? And if you decide that we're going to be together and not use protection and give it to the Lord and we feel like, yes, it could be a wonderful thing to have children, you know, I pray the Lord opens your womb. If it's not as well, I pray he closes it. His will
1: be done. His will be done. Yeah, and you know I'm seeing uh, some really encouraging comments from some of the some of the ladies on here that have decided also to homeschool a lot of their children because a lot of the, the people that are saying, "Hey, I, I look at the public school system and, stuff, and hey guys, I can I can totally vouch for you saying, look at all the wickedness in the the public school system. I was a wrestling coach in the public school system for I don't know 13 years or something." And so I totally understand what you're saying in terms of like I could not allow and my children. We both went to public
0: school, and I was spoken
1: yeah.
0: in fourth grade.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't but even want to say that we both school yeah. our children. Yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah, My wife, Lord. my wife does. I get I do it once a week, but no, it's one of those huge things. And I know, and I and I just say this as an encouragement. I know how difficult it can be. I know my oldest boy is much more difficult than my youngest boy, and. It's it's a lot of stress on my wife. I know it is, but she knows also it is more than worth it because also when you have somebody who's difficult, sometimes you also recognize your your wife, my daughter was horrible. No, no, that's not true. She was actually really easy. She (laughs) She was more justice, yeah, and easy, yeah. But no, but one of those things. Would you want that child who's easily distracted and impressionable to be raised around nothing but non-believers who do not know the Lord? And the counsel of the wicked. The problem is, too, too many people uh, and and have taken this viewpoint also that education is benign and that mm-hmm. typically when it comes to learning something, oh, he's just taking a history class or whatever it is, there is no learning that you do that doesn't have a worldview behind it. Telling history in like actually being accurate in it comes from a worldview of wanting to be accurate for the truth. But Amen. we have to recognize that with whatever is going going out, and I'm just saying that as a as a father who is looking at my wife, who I know it's a lot of work. That's why my wife doesn't work and and isn't working, at, you know, part time or even a, a full time yeah, or part time and, job. And we and both know it's uh, not
0: easy. Wonderful people that in our lives that teach at the home, teach at uh, public schools. Yeah, Amen. Who, are, who are salt and light in those schools, and more power to them. And we, it depends where you live too, you know. Uh, some people live where they're able to be in touch with the teacher that teaches their kids, and they're not being taught anything overtly wicked at all. But Psalm 1 comes to mind, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But as delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, he'll be like the tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And of course, he's talking about the the winnowing fork bringing up in the breeze when they separate the chaff from the wheat and the chaff would be blown away and so forth. And that's like the wicked. Uh, and, and by the way, we're not saying that if you homeschool, man, your kid's going to automatically turn out just loving <laughs> yeah. the Lord. You have to be prayerful. You have to be diligent. You have to make sure you major in moral teaching, and that you basically give the example and emulate what it means to follow Jesus, and that you're in their lives, and that you're on your knees crying out for their souls and and praying for them, and praying that you also protect them from evil influence. I we homeschooled, but guess what? I know a lot of children that were homeschooled in 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 the group that which is very broad throughout a lot of the towns around us and our town uh, that were in that group that are have gone astray. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to homeschool and teach them math and, and you know, how to read and everything, and then just kind of just, you know, not keep your hand of the plow spiritually. And then you have to know that if you keep your hand of the plow spiritually, that they will make their own choices too. And that's where we realize that, you know what, God won't give us more than we handle, but with even a temptation or a trial, give us a way to escape that we may be able to endure it. So we have to just trust the Lord and say, hey, Lord, I'm going through something really painful, but you know what, I'm trusting you because it's more painful to you than me. Hold me up through this and he will.
1: No, he will. And and when it comes to giving you strength, even those difficult times where it may be stressful and everything that's going on, he will give you that strength. And it is, it, it can be difficult. And I get so encouraged when I see so many people on here saying, hey, we decided to take our kids out of public school. We've been homeschooling them. It was difficult. But now we see the Lord blessing it. Praise God. And, it is and those things are, are difficult. And guess what? We also have people here right here at the ministry. In fact, one of them is working right now. Him and all his all his brothers and sisters went to public school. And they all love Jesus, man. And, and they're all, love Jesus. all remarkable yeah.
0: examples. But then again, they have a wonderful mom that has been in their lives. And the church family. Always in church with them. And uh, still this day, she's really, really diligent, you know, in church family, of course. So yeah, we we, we want to encourage you guys uh, that you're so blessed. and And we want to encourage you to realize, too, if you're thinking about homeschooling and you think, man, it's going to be a lot of work man, you know what? Sometimes i remember Lisa and tonight it was like a real tough day. And my office has generally been in my home through the years, right? So I was able to help her homeschool. I taught all the kids to read and so forth. And, but she did the bulk of it by far. But I say, hey, Lise, you know what? She's like pulling out her hair, you know, it's like, let's have a park day or let's just take them to the beach. We could do that, you know? To this day, you could still do that. Yeah. It's like, because you're still getting your schooling in or you just, they need to rest, you know? But you just make sure you're diligent and by the grace of God, so far, you know, my children love Jesus. And, but I, I know it could have went the other way. That's why I warn parents, to be encouraged in Jesus. Because guess what? My children had made mistakes like everybody else's and I've experienced that pain, you know? Are they going to continue to choose Jesus? And he's brought them through it, but he may not at certain times. And that's where we have to realize, first and foremost, we need to make sure that we're walking and that we're saved. If you're flying on an airplane, it was first time I heard it. And I've flown on a lot of airplanes. They've done a lot of mission trips and spoken a lot of places uh, throughout the world. And, but first time I heard it, it was like, you know, in case the plane loses oxygen, first put the oxygen over your face, the mask, and then over your child's. And I thought, why would I do that, man? I want my child to breathe. And I realized, oh, that's so I can breathe, you know, so I can take care of my child and that my child survives, not because they're not caring about my child. And I realized that's the same thing when it comes to following the Lord, is we need to make sure that we're walking so we can teach them how to walk.
1: No, I think that's so true. And I want to thank you guys so much for, for joining us on this. We know this is obviously very, very much. We, we love you guys. It's a tough subject and it's not one of those moments where we go, hey, it's, it's clear cut for every single person in existence, but we want to always go back to the scripture and say, what does the Lord have to say in his word? So I want to thank you guys for joining us. And if you guys have questions on this, you can shoot us an email, contact at goodfight.org. You can also join us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash goodfight. make sure you guys go give some ratings up to us. That helps get, if you're clicking like on these things, and you're also telling people to come check out Good Fight. If you want more people to hear about the Word of God and what God's Word says on these issues, then we're going to keep coming to you as long as you keep coming back. God bless you guys. Love you guys.
0: You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.